Welcome to Dugout Therapy, a baseball podcast about the mental game built by Coach Crates. If you're looking to succeed both on and off the field, this is the place for you. Which is a baseball is a game of failure. And if you're coming out and you're coming out of high school and you're trying to play college ball, you have to be extremely confident in your abilities and to stay true to your confidence and what you think you can do, what you know you can do. There's an element of humility. You have to stay humble, but you have to be extremely confident in what you know you can do because you're a 400, 500 hitter in high school. It's a lot more challenging in college. And so there's going to be a lot of failure. And the big game is, is, is all about failure and how you handle it. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to Dugout Therapy. Uh, I'm your host, Dave Wodzis, here with my co-host, Quinn Adams, and hey, we Quinn. are having a... Hey, Quinn, how you doing, bud? Not not well, but we can get into that later. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut you off now, but we'll get into it. Uh, Quinn's a little upset about the Twins loss, and we'll, and we'll definitely be sure to talk about it, but um, I got a really cool guest today. Uh, one of our partners, uh, Paul DeBellis from Glove Lock, uh, the founder over there, uh, going to tell us a little bit about you know his story today and how Glove Lock came to be, and, and I'm really excited to chat further with him. Um, you know, we we got to partner up earlier this year and, and get his product out in our crates for for our subscribers. So really excited to have you on here, Paul. Thank you, David. Thank you, Quinn. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, so I guess maybe to start, uh, could you just fill in our listeners a little bit on, on your baseball story and, and you know where, how you got here today? Yeah, to get all the way to a baseball product. Um, well, of course, I grew up playing baseball. Uh, you know, the of course, the Little League high school. Uh, I tried playing a little bit in college, played some junior college, and then um, uh, kind of lost the passion for it. And then I picked up actually – probably about three, four years after college finished, uh, in an adult league, um, when I was 24. Okay. Uh, so I was playing in an adult league, uh, you know, 18 and over just a local league in Santa Barbara, California, and, uh, picked up my love and passion for the game again. Um, and, uh, joined a team and I've been actually playing with that team since I was 24, um, 43 now. So do the math. Um, I've been playing on the same summer league, uh, adult league team for almost 19 years, which is pretty wow, crazy. Awesome. Yeah. Um, still love the game. Just actually just got back from Arizona, played in a men's adult league baseball tournament called the call, the, not the college, World Series, but the world series. Um, it's called NABA, NABA baseball, um, awesome. national adult baseball association world series out in Arizona. So we go out there, we travel out there, rent a house and play baseball on all the spring training fields. We bebop around from Tempe to Mesa, Goodyear. We play on all the spring training fields of all the pro fields, and it's, it's absolutely incredible. That's awesome. Good weather. It's it's baseball. It's that. A, no, yeah, it's a potentially if you win eight games in four days. So it's wow. uh, yeah, it's all baseball. Where do I sign up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an incredible experience. Um, the fields are incredible. They have top-notch people working on their fields all the time to get it ready for the game and you usually play a double header for a couple games you play five games around robin and then playoffs so i just got back so i'm icing my knees let's put it that way <laughs> yeah, sure. ice, yeah ice the knees take care of them yeah. i messed up mine enough in college yeah i caught for too many years and so my knees are oh yeah yeah so are you coaching at all 
I used to coach out of college. I actually was a basketball guy. Um, I was going to college oh, to become okay. a basketball coach. And then um, I coached at a high school and they needed a baseball coach because basketball was in the fall and in the winter and in the mm-hmm. spring, they didn't have a coach. So I coached at a high school, just some freshmen. And I had so much fun coaching baseball. Um, I stopped basketball altogether. Um, and so I was coaching and I just got, that was kind of part of it why I got back into baseball. Cause I was like, Oh, sure. I'll coach. And I got into, it. I fell in love with it. I couldn't, it couldn't be more beautiful than one o'clock in the afternoon. And you're working on the field, <laughs> waiting for the kids to come out of high school and you're by yourself on the field and you're just tending to a field. It was a lot of fun for me. Santa Barbara, California is, you know, 75 and sunny a lot of the time. So, um, it was, it was, beautiful. yeah, it was epic, yeah, to be out there by myself working on the field. And then of course, coaching and the kind of relaying my the knowledge that I had onto the little kids and well, 14 year olds. Um, and so that's when I started to coach. I coached for about four years. I watched those kids from freshman year go through all the way to sophomore, junior, senior. And then I stopped coaching and I got actually into uh, personal training and fitness and athletic coaching. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm not coaching, but I'm still playing. <laughs> yeah no i mean hey playing playing that long is awesome um you know i i didn't play this past year just to give i think my body a break and i, and I think i'm getting the itch again so maybe i'll do sunday league next year or something but uh mm-hmm. yeah no i coaching's uh it's it's rewarding for sure and uh you know i think that's cool that you got to see you know kids go go through freshman to, to senior year like that um mm-hmm. got to kind of stay with that group and, and see them develop but yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that's awesome. Uh, besides, you know, catching, what other positions did you play uh, or uh, are still playing? Yeah, I grew up shortstop third base in college. Okay. And then in the adult league, I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm done with the infield. It wasn't as exciting. And then I said, you know what, I need some more mm-hmm. excitement. And so I said, there's nothing more exciting than being on every pitch and getting in control. <laughs> I was a little bit of a control freak, kind of st- still am. And so as a catcher, I was controlling the game, you know, and I had my hands in on everything. Oh, yeah. Catch, calling pitches and then also positioning players and and kind of just kind of controlling the game because when you're playing in the adult league you don't really have a manager there's no real mm-hmm. coach so I was just kind of coaching from behind the dish and I loved it and I did it for way too long and, and <laughs> you know those if you're if you're catching probably in a tournament of eight games you're catching six of them you're done mm-hmm. buddy. and I did that for two <laughs> years so I'm back oh, to, yeah. I'm back to the third base. <laughs> yeah bounce back over there yeah that, that's what that's what i was in, in college shortstop third uh i even played a little first but uh yeah no we i, I played a, a summer league the past i didn't play this past year but i played five five years before that and our uh our catcher was was kind of like our player coach and i think mm-hmm. that's how a lot of the catchers are you know uh we didn't really have a coach but he was like our player coach would make the lineups and mm-hmm. uh he had that you know that leadership side of them mm-hmm. uh just comes natural with position so um yeah, yeah it's interesting I kind of gravitated towards that yeah there's, there's a lot of history of right coaches or uh, catchers becoming coaches just because mm-hmm. they're in so much of their every pitch and so they have to be a little more cerebral than say your center fielder or your left fielder so oh yeah so you started focusing on coaching basketball mm-hmm. how did you pivot from basketball coach to baseball coach to starting your own company centered around baseball gear? Yeah, that's a great question. It was a long story in the sense that it took years. I was I jumped into personal training, and that was because I wanted to coach baseball. Personal training gave me the freedom, right, to change your schedule around, to be in control of your own schedule, to mm-hmm. allow myself to continue to coach baseball. 
Um, you don't get paid very much as a coach, high school coach. I didn't really have any desire to be a college coach. I just liked being around the kids. So it was a job that I was able to do. And I really fell in love with it. I wasn't much of an office guy. I'm not a, I'm not a nine to fiver. I'm not a, I cannot sit in a cubicle. I've never been that way. Mm-hmm. So I was, I just, I, I, I tried it and I loved it and I'm still in it to this day. I do exercise therapy and um, personal training on top of, in addition to the, the, a lot of the work that goes into the glove lock. Um, but when I was in personal training, here's how it actually happened is when I got into personal training, I wanted to get out of personal training. And so I said, how can I do that? And a lot of people, you know, you know a lot of trainers may think, Hey, I'm going to open up a gym. I'm going to become a business owner. Um, I had studied a lot of books about business and, um, I didn't necessarily want to all of a sudden run a gym, which is four times as much work than just being a trainer. Um, so I started to develop products. Um, so I actually, um, was reading just a lot of books about business and got into product development. And so I started creating my own products. So I created about 13 products for fitness. And they were really good, and I got a lot of good feedback. Um, but the challenge of breaking in that industry is very difficult. And then one day I was practicing, getting ready for one of my annual Arizona trips. Um, uh, I was with all my buddies, and we were all practicing. And he saw my one of the original glove locks on my glove, and I had shared them with some of the guys because they're just they were just you know some locks that I had gotten at a an actual hiking store. <clears throat> they weren't very good. They were big and bulky and cheap. And uh, he said, you should market that. And I had been pushing for the other products, really trying to get into the industry mm-hmm. um, with the fitness products. And a lot of what makes a product successful lined up with what I could do with the glove lock. Um, and so that p- really was a huge shot in the arm and a lot of motivation there. And uh, mm-hmm. propelled me to uh, really get going on the glove lock. So that was, I think, 2015 when it was just kind of the aha moment. You hear about those moments? I was like, you know yeah. what? You're right. <laughs> and um, I just went, I literally went to work and it was an obsession. Um, and it took a couple years uh, to go from the obsession and a lot of iterations, a lot of um, uh, trial and error and see what would work and, uh, and to put a product together. And so it went from wanting to do a product and starting in the fitness industry and then going into the baseball industry, which was a nice little beautiful uh, marriage because I have a mm-hmm. severe obsession with gloves and baseball gear. So it worked hand in hand. So I was able to put the two and two together. My real passion was not so much fitness. It was baseball. And so mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I could, I, you tell me I could work in the baseball industry um, and do something that I love every day centered around gloves and baseball gear, I'm in. And so that was a real, real big motivator. And, uh, and so I just hit the ground running. For informing the listeners, mm-hmm. what is the glove lock? Um, yeah. Could you just take a moment to describe the product? Absolutely. So um, I, I'm six foot two, 195 pounds. So I'm not small, um, but I grew up very skinny. And I would say my wrists are skinny. And so whenever I put my hand in a glove, there weren't a lot. When I was coming up, I told you I'm 43. Rawlings was number one. So if you were to put your hand in a glove and you wanted a nice glove, your hand would swim. My hand would swim in the glove. So I was always looking for ways to make the glove tighter. I was always kind of toying with the leather 
trying to take the risks out as tight as possible. I'd add, you know, things inside the glove. I would wrap, um, they have the raw, you know, one of these companies has like a, it's a Velcro added to it, like a wristband. I would open it before this was even there. I would open it up, throw a wristband around the wrist spot where (laughs) just to make it tighter. And I always wanted my glove to be as tight as possible. I didn't have small hands. I just, I wanted it tight. I didn't want to float. And I, and the only spot on the glove where you can adjust kind of on the go during the game. And that is there to adjust for like a bigger hand or a smaller hand is the thumb and the thumb strap and the pinky strap. I mean, you can always wear a batting glove, but as an infielder, I think David, you'd understand this. If you're a shortstop, I always loved the ball hitting my hand. I wanted to feel the ball. Yeah, there's something about that feeling the glove. It just rather than the, yeah, I never liked the batting glove feel. Yeah, I, I just didn't like the distance between myself and sweat too. I didn't want the sweat to mm-hmm. get in the way. You know, if my hands were slipping in the glove, so I was always fidgeting with the glove. Mm-hmm. And I just one day, I just literally got up, got in my car, and I just went looking for something to hold the laces tight. And I tried all kinds of things. You know, a lot of them were big and bulky. You know, but something to mm-hmm. that I could pull really tightly on those laces and keep it in place because I know everybody believes in the knots and a lot of people out there think the knots are the best way, but honestly you can't get it tight enough um, for mm-hmm. me. And then I always like to adjust it a little bit. I like to fidget on, I'm on the field and so I tighten it down. So um, yeah. I was yeah, just no, like, I- okay, this is the spot I need to kind of hit. And so then I said, when I went off to the store, found something and I actually <laughs> had it on my glove for probably a good seven, eight years before my teammates saw it, I was wow. like, you should murder that. So I was using <laughs> it. And it was yeah. like one of those, uh, I guess, camping like tightener things you were talking about. Exactly. It was it was about two inches wide, the hole in the middle, and it was for sleeping bags. Wow. <laughs> That's you know? crazy. Because something had to be big enough for, you know, it didn't work, the sweatshirt ones didn't work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it had to be big enough for the laces on the leather on, the, on my Rawlings. You know, I had a Pro 1000 each. You know, it was a 12 inch, it's a big glove. And so the leather was big. Um, The leather straps were big. So I had to get something big. So I went sleeping for it, found it. And and that was the beginning. That was just when I had it on there. And I never, I never thought about marketing a product, but Mm -hmm. then, you know, just that aha moment took it and I ran with it. Yeah. I I mean, it's a super cool story because I think when, you know, you have a, a conversation about how someone formed a product a lot of times it's it's from something they use themselves or they discovered, you know, a need from from something of experience, built something around it. And then, you know, you find that there's this, this huge community out there that uh, also would love that. So, right. um, you know, like as you're kind of we're going through that, like I can totally relate. Um, I have like big, bigger hands, but thin, like I always like needed to tighten my glove and not to really mm-hmm barely got it tight enough so when i started uh you know when i when i found you guys i um earlier this year I, you know i tried it out on my glove and, and loved it but you know it's that's funny that you you know found this so long ago and then it kind of just was a perfect synergy for you um and, and you know i think that's that's a little bit of uh like our story coach creates i mean we you know we wanted to be involved in in baseball and uh it was it was a perfect synergy. We want to we want to help uh, coaches and, and players, and you know work in it somehow. And 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 we developed a product and and kind of same with you. you. You found this need, developed it, um, and it's great. 
Yep. So I wanted to just to finish answering a question. What is actually for the listeners, if you don't know exactly what it is, um, I've uh, had many um, additions, renditions, uh, models and molds done to get it a smaller, flatter uh, glove lock that has a wide mouth and strong teeth so that you can slide it on the laces for the thumb and the pinky Mm -hmm. down to the base and has teeth on there that can kind of grab the leather and has a button you can slide it down and you can pull that leather strap tight and so you can have your thumb and your pinkies locked into your glove as tight as you want it you can make it as tight as possible or you can loosen it i say it's incredible for infielders i'm targeting the little the younger guys because they're more open to different and new things older people especially baseball players and i think you can understand <laughs> stuck in their way oh, yeah. don't mess with my glove and i 100 percent appreciate and respect that because if you mm-hmm. touch my glove we're gonna have words um so uh, i get that but there's the whole tradition versus progress and it's like okay i understand if you're willing if you're anybody out there who's willing to open up the knot and you slide these glove locks on they don't add any weight. They're basically weightless. They're extremely strong. They're extremely durable, and they hold that thumb down tight. And I and I, you you can't tell me that the the fit isn't better. And so mm-hmm. if I can just get the younger kids to then spread the word, that's great. The older kids, um, I, I'm still working on because they just have a little bit of an ego. And yeah, if, when you have you have that glove for a while, like you're saying, you know that that uh that hesitation to change is is a little greater in that case but you know a younger guy that buys a brand new glove oh try that on the new glove why not you know um and you know what the the big thing i noticed and and that you were just touching upon when i was using it is you don't notice it's there you really don't and it and it's flat up against uh you know the outside of the glove in comparison to a knot, um, which I often found would, would kind of dig into the outside of the leather, kind of make a break in weird. Mm-hmm. If you're doing any uh, glove conditioner or anything on like that, like it, w- it would often like break it in a little weird with those knots on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really easy to treat, like if I was putting glove uh, glove oil on or anything uh, for my old glove. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I've actually, um, you know, nowadays kids have one and two gloves, three gloves. You can buy game-ready gloves, but a lot of people love the break-in process. And I've actually taken the glove locks. I left them on, and I've taken a mallet to them and just crushed them. Mm-hmm. And I still can't I can't get them to break that way. So um, they're virtually That's indestructible. Awesome. So that helps that way. But, uh, yeah, you're right. They, you just don't notice that they're there. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that a lot of the major leaguers and then the young kids are just following suit. They're not tying their laces. Um, yeah. They no longer even tie the knot. They just pull on them. They tug on them. And that's major leaguers, and they have humongous hands, so it's a little different. But mm-hmm. younger kids follow suit, and they, they want to do the same thing. Um, combined with the the change in a lot of – I'm sure, David, if you played shortstop, right, your th- your your mm-hmm. forefinger, your pointer finger was always out. And now mm-hmm. kids are going two in the pinky. And so yeah. you have to fit two pink. Sometimes they go two in the pinky, so you have to fit two fingers in there or one finger in. And if you have it tied tight, how do you adjust it quickly? You know, what, what if you yeah. want to just put one finger or out of batting gloves? So how do you how do you, you take that knot off? You have a perfect knot. But if you have a knot and then you throw lotion on it or rain or whatever, that knot gets pretty pretty tight. So <laughs> having the ability yeah. to adjust quickly 
on the fly, in between innings, in between pitches is huge, I think. And so that's one of the benefits. For sure. Yeah. Uh, All the kids that I was coaching, two in the pinky, I don't know when, you know, that started. I I know, like, outfielders have been doing that for a while, but, like, infielders now, like, all the kids I was coaching, they're doing doing that. And I I just personally never liked that feel. Um, But, yeah, you got to have it super loose to to put both your fingers in there. And you might not even be able to tie knot, so. Right, right, right. And so maybe that's why they leave it open, potentially. Um, mm-hmm. And outfielders would get it for a long time uh, because they wanted a deeper pocket. And yeah. um, mm-hmm. they wanted that ball going in and not coming out. But as an infielder, if it hit the middle of your palm, it was gone. You know, you're, you're trying to transfer it as, as fast as possible. So you, I always wanted to mm-hmm. feel that thing. So I only had one. Yeah. Definitely. So I think you're being humble with this, Paul. This is an award-winning glove lock. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, owning your own business is is very different than um, being an employee or working at some place. There's a lot of risk involved. And I remember being at home. I had not sold one glove lock yet. Not one. One guy emailed me out of Kansas City one time. He was interested and I sent him some for free because I was so happy that he emailed me. This is way this is 2015, 16 or so. And I think 2017, I, I had read a, an article that said, you need to go to every trade show you can possibly go to. So I said, okay, I'm not going to try to fight it. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I'm going to go. So I just Googled it. And ABCA, the um, America's American Baseball Coaches Association, it popped up. It's, a, it's the largest convention for coaches, uh, baseball coaches. Um, I don't, maybe there's some softball, but it's baseball. Uh, the largest convention was happened to be happening in like two weeks in Anaheim. And I live in close to Anaheim. I'm like 40 minutes, 35 minutes from there. So it was just, a and usually here's the thing is they're usually in either the Midwest or, um, like Tennessee or Indianapolis. And they just happened to be in Anaheim this, that year. And I said, you know what? Perfect. And you got it. I had to take that leap. I had a talk with my wife and I said, you know what, I'm going to have to, you know, put some serious money where my mouth is, so to speak, and uh, get a booth. And there's a lot that goes into it, you know, getting all the marketing materials and signs and all that. And I did it within like a week and a half, was inside the show in Anaheim and had, again, had not sold one glove lock. And I, I recruited my family. I have two brothers, older, younger, and my dad to come with me, got them all geared up, you know, and we showed up. <laughs> And I, I'll never forget, my, my little brother, who's not so little, he's 35 at the time, he was um, the trade show on day one. My older brother was there and he helped me. And it was crazy. It was nuts. It was just, I was bombarded and it was awesome. And I was there just to hand them out. Just, hey, here they are. Try them out. Try them out. And I was getting, mm-hmm. I don't want to say crushed because that's a bad word. I was getting bombarded. A lot of attention. And my little brother showed up for day two and uh, he brought a book. And uh, he started reading when the doors opened. He was reading a book. I said, uh, "Hey, Stephen, what are you doing?" He says, "I'm reading a book." I said, "You got you got to get up." And uh, he gave me a funny look. And I'm not joking. Like three hours later, he said, "He said, Paul, y- you got to quit your job. This is insane." And uh, <laughs> that's what you kind of want. I mean, if you have something that is just a hit, you, that you're looking for that. It's just that lightning in a bottle, that gold. And uh, mm-hmm. I got such incredible feedback. Um, and then you do submit your product. And I think there was, I want to say anywhere from 10 to 15 best in show. 
uh, products, mm-hmm. all different kinds. Um, and um, they come by, they grab your material, they submit it to a board, and then they vote on it. And uh, it won Best in Show that year, my first year. So I went from not selling wow. one to Best in Show. And so then that's when I said, okay, I, I have something here. Mm-hmm. That's wow. awesome. Yeah, it was pretty Dave, cool. are you taking notes? We we <laughs> need know. to get a booth to pod <laughs> and plug coach crates. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I mean uh we've been we've been looking into the ABCA doing it um you know in, in the relatively near future. So hopefully we yeah. can do it soon. Yeah, no, it's it's a huge event. Uh we do uh, some sponsor sponsorship uh stuff with ABCA. Um they're just a powerhouse like everybody that is is super knowledgeable on the coaching side or, or is well connected is is a part of abca and it's it's an awesome group um we, we, we partner with their uh their nonprofit uh turn two for youth so um yeah we work we work oh. with them which is nice um they have a nonprofit. Um, yeah yeah uh turn two for youth yeah yeah, they are. I mean, if you're a baseball person walking in the doors now, I was not a part of the. I couldn't leave the booth. Um, I've uh, done two shows now. Um, mm-hmm. The supposedly the the breakdowns, I think they call them breakdowns, or the the, the lectures are incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the people they have there are really good. There's a lot of learning going on. But as far as products, it's the coolest place to be if you're a baseball guy and you're a gear guy. Mm-hmm especially with your business it's the best place in the world to be as far as um pushing your 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 you know not only your business but learning about the products out there and that's how i got my name out there initially for the first couple of years this year i think okay. they're in nashville tennessee mm-hmm. yeah nashville yeah it's all that Dave. Um, yeah we might have to take take a trip out there Quinn. Mm-hmm. what do you think yeah Hell yeah yeah, it's worth going. I mean, usually I, I would love to have a booth there and they keep going me to have a booth there. And I had to skip this year. The, the They open up the 2nd, January 2nd. And I'd have to get there the 1st. And I don't know if you know I've ever flown uh, anywhere on the 1st of January. It's craziness. And so <laughs> yeah, um, it would have been real tough for me to navigate that. Um, and so I had to wait. I'm going to wait till next year and go. So Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's... I forget what we were looking at for this year. We, uh, I, it might've been that, or I don't know. Uh, I think a couple of my partners had some logistic, uh, stuff there, um, that we couldn't do it, but I think we're trying to do it next year. So, it's worth it. Um, worth it. yeah, definitely. We definitely want to do it. It's, uh, I've gotten nothing but great feedback on how great the event is and, yeah. and everything. So and if you're a baseball nut, there's so much cool baseball stuff. Uh, all the up and coming stuff that's, you know, the technology, the training stuff, the, mm-hmm. the tools. I love it. I love it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess maybe we'll, we'll take a few uh, seconds here and do a little giveaway. I wanted to do a, a little glove lock giveaway here um, for the listeners. What we'll do is uh, when this gets released, the first two people that uh, message us on our, our Facebook page, uh, Coach Crates, uh, all they got to do is message us glove lock. Um, I'll, I'll send um, uh, two, uh, a set of glove locks each um, as kind of a giveaway here. So uh, everybody listening, uh, just message us glove locks at um, our Facebook page, Coach Crates, and, and we'll message you back. And uh, if you're one of the first two people, we'll send it to you. Um, so we'll do that uh, just to, to get a little bit more word out on, on glove lock. And now I want to throw some quick 
pitch questions at you here, sure. Paul. Sure. So, yeah, we ask these to all of our guests. They're just kind of cool baseball questions, um, mm. and everybody's got a different answer. So, first question, what is your favorite baseball movie? Oh, good one. Um, I'm going to go uh, outside the norm and say Fever Pitch. Fever Ooh. Pitch, okay. Big yeah. Jimmy Fallon guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Drew Barrymore more than Jimmy Fallon. But yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is not the normal. Of course, you could say the natural and the other way. Fever Pitch to me, it's just, it's just so much fun. Just especially the way they had to like completely re-edit the ending because the incredible 3-0 comeback from the Yankees on the uh, right. from the Red Sox on the Yankees, it was not it was historical in the way they ended it, and they had just happened to film during it and the whole nine, and they completely re-edited the entire movie to um, to go with how the baseball actually ended with the Red Sox coming back. That's such yeah, a charming that, that movie. I like that pick. <laughs> charming, yeah, yeah. different, it different, is. different. I mean, Field of Dreams, yeah, the natural, yeah, 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 but no, fever pitch. Yeah, yeah that of, is a really good know, movie. Speaking of, uh, you know, winning three games straight, <clears throat> dude, come on, we're we're doing quick pitch. <laughs> I am not going to rant about the Minnesota Twins right now. I don't want to scare Paul. I don't want to scare the <laughs> listeners. I don't there, want. <laughs> there is a rumor. That Mitch Garver is using glove locks on his on his glove. That is that is a rumor. Oh, that's huge! A catcher. Yeah, I, I've been trying really hard to get a shot, uh, just some because it's so fast. You know, um, it's tough to get a you know zone in on the picture on the actual gloves. But uh, the word that's is awesome. that I gave some to somebody, and they were connected to the Twins and in Mitch Garver. They had played baseball with Mitch, and so um, gave it to him. That was a year ago, so I don't know if he used them this year, but. I do have a number of minor leaguers um, using them. Some in the Cubs and some in the Padres using them. That's fantastic. Catchers, yeah. Very cool. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. Um, all right. Question two here. One piece of advice uh, you could give a high school player trying to play at the next level. That's interesting. Good question. Like a technical one? Um, technical it can be it, it can be simple we've gotten technical we've gotten mindset stuff you know something that maybe helped you or something looking back well i'll tell you what i know that from my personal experience i went in a very uh, like a highly touted high school player and mm-hmm. um went into college and of course you hear the whole big fish small pond going into a big fish into a big pond um and so i went in and my confidence was challenged right off the bat and in hindsight and it was challenged almost purposefully and I didn't like that and I never understood that um you know the whole break a player down build them back up I never understood Mm -hmm. that I didn't identify that with that so um if you in baseball which is a baseball is a game of failure and if you're coming out and you're coming out of high school and you're trying to play college ball, you have to be extremely confident in your abilities and to stay true to your confidence and what you think you can do and what you know you can do. There's an element of humility. You have to stay humble, but you have to be extremely confident in what you know you can do because you're a 400, 500 hitter in high school. It's a lot more challenging in college. And so there's going to be a lot of failure. 
And the big game is, is, is all about failure and how you handle it. And so that would be my number one piece of advice would be hold true to your and stay confident in yourself, stay humble, uh, work hard, but at the same time, you know, stay really confident in yourself because it's got to come from somewhere. I assume when you started coaching, you used that, you know, philosophy not to, you know, challenge or exert your power over a player just for, you know, intimidation or building them up. I assume that that you use that philosophy. I I think you read between the lines on that one. That was exactly (laughs) what happened to me when I went to college. Um, I started out as, you know, either a starter or or the first guy off the bench. And by the end, I didn't want to play baseball anymore because the coach would just just berate me until I was just worth. I didn't think I could play the game of baseball. And by the end, I couldn't. And so he was right by the end. And I just asked him at the end of the season, I said, why did you you know, what was the purpose of that? He said, I wanted to break you down to see when you broke. And I and I just was like, well, well, congratulations. You, 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 You did a good job. Yeah. You, know, you, you took a really <laughs> confident kid and you made him shove his baseball bag in the attic, literally in the attic for four years. Yeah. Including yeah. my gloves. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I hold that. I mean, that was 1999 and I still that hold that. Um, I take that personally and that was a shot to my ego. So, um, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he ever messed with my ego. He just messed with my passion for the game. And I never wanted to take that away from a kid. So if anything, I, I, I was all about bringing kids, you know, positivity and having having them be OK and acknowledge failure, because if you get a hit, the pitcher failed. And if the pitcher strikes you out then the hitter failed. So there's all this failure all over the place. So how do you handle that? Mm-hmm. And I always felt that I was in my game. Why I was better than others is that I was able to handle it. If I went over three for three strikeouts. It did not go into my fourth at bat. So I was always mm-hmm. confident in that way. So, and you need that, especially going in from college, high school to college. It's tough. There's a lot of good oh, pitchers yeah. out there. There's a lot of good hitters out there. So the competition is tough. So you just have to stay really confident when, you know, mm-hmm. when some guy maybe has your number, you know, or a coach wants to get down your, in your head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, that's a powerful story for, for a lot of kids uh, coming up and also for coaches to kind of hear this too. I think, you know, what you're kind of describing is probably a little um, bit old school methodology. A lot of coaches used to, I think, be uh, about, you know, break, breaking you down, um, seeing what you're made of kind of approach. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, as the game has kind of changed, I think it's so much more important to, to pull the lessons out from the failure versus trying to cause it and trying to get the player to understand it for themselves because sometimes they might not. You know, I, I think you need to you need to be that that coach that's and, and we've talked to a lot of different consultants and, and coaches thus far on the show. And I think everybody, you know, that we've interviewed, at least has been uh, on on the same approach here. You got to kind of be a mentor first before, um, you know, the, the, the players got to trust you before you can, you know, challenge them like that. Yeah. So. It's it's interesting how the games change, and I think a lot of coaches' um, methodology with um, you know failure and and challenging the players has as as well with it. So, mm-hmm. it's very yeah, it's very interesting and very powerful. It's mm-hmm. going in the right direction, though. I mean, the I guys think- that that we've interviewed who coach players now they they stress the importance of getting to know a player just to to know what their tipping point is and just to try to. You know, what, like what you said, promote positivity 
and uh, focus on their strengths. Right. Yeah, I don't think breaking a player down and building them back up has anything to do with sports. Right. Yeah. Not my thing. It's just authority. It's just, that's that's yeah. not yeah. that is not what you yeah. want when you're a baseball coach. Yeah. And you know, in in baseball, the the game itself is going to do that. So <laughs> that that's always been my my thought process. The game itself is going to beat down the player. The coach doesn't have to do it um, as well. So you know, they're going to learn what they need to learn from the game. And you know, we're supposed to be here as as a mentor to help guide them out of the you know the darkness or um, the lows and and get them back yeah. up to to the highs. But yeah, 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 I agree with that. And I think technology is helping with that. So if a guy's struggling, you don't bury him in the sand. You say, okay, hey, let's take this incredible technology we have and figure out, do you have a hitch? Do you, are you not loading properly? Is your timing off? Or, you know, exactly. if it's fielding, you know, you get to pull a guy off the side and work on the fielding. Um, if it, you know, look at the shortstop for the Oakland A's. Um, he was an MVP candidate this year. Three years, four years ago, he couldn't field the ground ball. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Marcus Simmons, Simmons whatever. He was, he Simeon, was, yeah. it's a Simeon. He was, he, you could have buried him. You could have kicked him to the curb, but he's now an MVP potential candidate in the American league a couple years later, including one of the best defensive shortstops in the game. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you can turn around that negative and make it a positive just by using the technology and breaking down, Hey, why are you, why are you not succeeding? Let's figure this out together. And I think that's, that's invaluable. That's priceless. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Okay, so last question here before we wrap up, and this kind of goes perfect along with our conversation here, but what was the biggest lesson you have learned from baseball? Hmm. Oh, it's by far, it's easily 100% is how to deal with failure. That's it. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. I think that's what a, a lot of uh, people have trouble with is is dealing with failure. Is when you go over three with three ugly strikeouts, you have the opportunity to win the game in the bottom of the seventh or the ninth or whatever you're in, um, mm-hmm. just with one swing of the bat. But if you can't handle the failure, that's going to affect your later at bat or your later approach. You're not going to be as successful as you potentially could be. So I think my ability to handle failure. So when it comes to business with the glove lock, I know challenges are coming. I know there's going to be problems with manufacturing or delivery or the mail or, um, uh, you know, a a negative review, somebody, especially with social media today, people and kids get on there and they trash a product. And I'm like, you know, I'm so sorry you're, you didn't like the glove lock and they don't even, they've never even used it. Right. But they just want to trash it. So how do you feed, how do you handle negativity? How do you handle the pressure of failure? Um, and then just keep going, just keep going, Mm -hmm. keep moving forward. You know what? Yeah. The last three at bats don't matter. The last error doesn't matter. The guy, if you're a pitcher, if the guy just give you give up back to back jacks, you got to focus in and hone in on the next pitch. You cannot have a. You know, what do they say? Short memory. Um, oh. I don't want to have a short memory because I always want to put that in my bank and remember it, but learn from it and just grow from it. And that's mm-hmm. that's I use that every day of my life, and that's why I think that's big part of my confidence level. I have an extraordinary amount of confidence in myself because I'm going to take my failures. I'm going to look at them. I'm not going to crush myself. I'm going to critically look at them and I'm going to say, mm-hmm. how, what did I do? How can I get better? Did he win? Understand that maybe the pitcher was better than you that day or that moment, but I'm going mm-hmm. to get him next time. Um, so I take those failures and I learn from them. I hold on, from, hold on to them in a sense that I put them in the memory bank, but I don't dwell. I move on to the next thing. 
Yeah, that, that yeah, that's awesome. And I think you know us coming from that that baseball mentality, it's it's super great and, and powerful for us that, that to then take that into business because you know a lot of I think business owners are afraid to fail as well. Um, mm-hmm. And when you take on your own project, when you put your name on something, when you put yourself out there, you're gonna fail. It's inevitable. Um, you're going to make mistakes along the way and you can't be afraid of it. You got to embrace it. You got to learn from it. You got to keep moving on. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. And I think you, you, um, you know, sound the same Paul that we've had, you know, baseball in our lives to, to give us that mentality as we, you know, stepped into the business world. A hundred percent. Yep. So I guess last thing would be, you know, where can our listeners, uh, learn a little bit more about glove lock and, and about you, Paul? Well, you can always find me on Instagram at, at the glove lock, um, at okay. the glove lock. Uh, I'm always on there. Um, also have my website is www.thegloveLock.com. Um, those are my two spots where you can check me out. Those are the easiest way to get a hold of me. You can always email me at paul at the I always like in, on my cards, I put my name, some of them, I think I have my phone number on my, on them. You can call me. You can email me if you have any questions or concerns. I want to know if the glove locks failed. I want to know. I'm going to take care of you. I believe in my product. I back it 100%. Um, if you have any questions, because a lot of people don't quite understand it, um, and so I'll, I deal with emails all the time, you know, and I explain things and I help people out. Um, you can uh, email me. Um, you, you can call me if you want. My phone number is on Instagram too, so you can push a button and call me if you need to. But wow. mostly, it's uh, if you want to check out the product, it's uh, www.thegloveLock.com. Paul DeBellis, everybody, thank you so much for coming on our podcast, WF Therapy. This was very informative, and I think a lot of guys are going to be listening to this and then resonating that, that issue with the glove and then mm-hmm. looking in your product. Thank you so much, David and Quinn. I appreciate that. Best of luck to you guys and your product. I love it. I love all everything about the coach grades. Thanks, Paul. We, you know, appreciate you having on. It was, it was awesome chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening to Dugout Therapy. Uh, just finished up a really great episode with um, Glove Lock founder paul debellis uh was really great uh talking with him about his experience um coming up playing high school college ball and uh he's still playing he's been playing for 19 years so it's just awesome to to hear his story um about failure and kind of how you kind of overcome um obstacles and stuff and and really you know what you can learn from baseball in general so it was great episode um thank you guys so much for listening um, we just ask if, if if you listen to us on Apple, please subscribe to the podcast there. Leave us a review. Um, we love to hear from you and uh, get your feedback. But yeah, hit subscribe there so that you get the updates on the episodes. And uh, when a new one comes out, it'll it'll pop up there for you guys to give it a listen. Um, if you listen on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, anywhere else, you can listen to us there as well. Um, we're on we're on all of the big ones, um, Google, Spotify, CastBox, um, Spreaker, and SoundCloud. So give us a listen, guys. But thank you very much, and talk to you on the next Dugout Therapy.